The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're here live on voiceamerica.com. We've got a great show coming up, and we're going to be starting off with some NFL training camp. Our host, Spencer G., was in attendance for the Eagles' live second training camp at Lincoln Financial Field. And you got to see a team called the Philadelphia Eagles play another team with a very similar name. That is the Eagles. So, Spency, tell us, what did you observe at training camp? Well, the good part about going to the training camp yesterday was that the team that was playing, Philadelphia Eagles, did not lose. So, that, that that's a positive. There were 40,000 people yesterday at Lincoln Financial Field. They all piled in to watch training camp and you had the quarterbacks, which is the big story, because you have Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez back on a roster, kind of reminiscing or or going back to their New York days when when they were both battling it out um, to be quarterbacks. And Sanchez, his release looks good. He had some nice throws yesterday. Tim Tebow, he still has a hitch in his release. He still takes, he still holds it high, takes it down, and and really has to get his his arm and his body moving when he throws the football. So for the right-handed passers yesterday, even Matt Barkley, it's kind of like the ball's up and then the ball's released. So for Tim Tebow on like a five-yard button hook, you know, it takes Tebow a little bit of time. Um, t- to actually throw the ball f- with um, velocity because Tebow's holding it at the top, you know, by his head, and then he's kind of hitching it down and then releasing the ball. Um, I guess he doesn't have the strength, or the, or the I-, I bet he does have the strength, but the, the cork of throwing the football with his frame, he's a very big guy. He's six foot four. He's built like a fullback, so it's kind of hard for hit for his arm to get in position to um, to really release the ball in one single motion. And it's looked a lot better, put it that way. When Tebow has time, when he knows where he's going, he could throw a sideline out with the best of them. He could throw it low, away, and in spots where the, where the receiver could catch the ball. He definitely throws a strong enough ball um, to 
to again be an efficient quarterback the problem is with the nfl it's such a timing based system and at florida in the sec the windows are a lot bigger tebow was able to run so you also had that that factor and in the nfl it's it's a lot harder to again be a consistent running quarterback like it is at the college level and Tebow in Florida would only have probably two reads, but, um, you know, in Chip Kelly's system, you know, we hope that they can keep it simple enough for Tebow. And as long as Tebow knows the offense very well, and he really, he has to set up a lot, he has to take a lot more time to deliver the ball, um, he really needs to work on his reads because that could be the great equalizer for Tim Tebow. Because right now, I would say like Barkley even has a much better throwing motion. Um, but again, I just think Tebow's competitiveness, his attention to detail, um, and, and Tebow again. Once you get into the fifteen and twenty yard passes, I think Tebow can hang and even beat out Barkley in that department. We have our um, our show in Philly which is called Fans Interference on 610 AM. You can certainly, um, anybody who's listening, can stream our show Thursdays from 6 to 8. We have a regular, and he is beat writer Al Thompson. And the nice thing is he goes to all the practices, and he gave us a bit of an insight on Tebow. He believes the coaches really respect Tebow. Tebow has not been a sideshow. That is, he's been humble. He's been working hard. And they believe that the Tebow really adds something to this team and has leadership and, and his strong presence in the locker room. And another insightful comment that, that Al Thompson made was he almost feels like Barkley, this is his third time around, that Barkley is almost itching for a fresh start in another town. So don't be surprised if the Eagles trade him for like a six-round draft pick or just release him in order to let him lat, you know, latch on. Barkley's, I think, a quality person. And, you know, he's, he's had some good days. Obviously, this is uh, training camp. So out of about four days last week, he had about two and a half good days. And Tebow, particularly on Tuesday, had a very strong day, completed six out of eight passes. So as far as we can tell, we've got our ears to the ground right down in our show, at the, right near the Novacare complex. It appears that... Tebow has the inside line to get that that third quarterback job for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, you look at the NFL now moving um, PATs um, back to the 15-yard line and, and have the field goal kickers now have to kick a 30-yard field goal. You look at Tebow and what he thrives at is from the two-yard line and goal line situation. Uh, he's pretty much the innovator of the jump pass. He really coined that phrase. And even when Chris Leak was starting at Florida back in 2006, when Florida won the national title game, Tim Tebow was still used in that package, and he complemented Leak very well, using the jump pass, being able to run the ball in for touchdowns. And again, I think Tim Tebow could definitely air it out. I think he could throw the football, you know, 20, 25 yards on a rope. Um, I just think that in this offense, though, in terms of screen passes, you know, in terms of actually the simple five-yard slant for Tim, it does still take him time um, to really get the ball out on those short throws. And um, again, he's continuing to work with it. And I definitely believe that a quality that 
is really keeping Tim Tebow in the mix here, or not even a quality, but the circumstance is much better here. He's really a clear-cut third-string quarterback here. You have Sanchez and Bradford firmly ahead. And with Chip Kelly, you don't have a coach like Rex Ryan that is constantly giving out quotes to the New York media about who's going to start a quarterback. You know, the New York media can eat anybody alive. And Chip Kelly keeps it very under the vest and... That really is going to help out Tebow because he's not really looked at as a as a threat to be a starting quarterback now. He's simply known as just one of the guys. And I think that, that, that this situation for him in Philadelphia is going to be advantageous in this regard. If Sam Bradford goes down... I mean, it's going to be a circus around here because then you're going to have the 2010 Jets all over again. And if Sanchez struggles, then people will clamor for Tebow. But if Sam Bradford can come out, can start football games, and can perform well, then all the Tebow mania should be put to rest. Another big story out of Eagles training camp is um, a big loss for them. Ja'Cory Shepard, albeit... A low-round pick was doing great in minicamp. He looked like he had the inside line at nickel cornerback. And Spencer, at the practice you observed, he uh, basically collided with with Sproles. This was a no-tackle practice. However, this collision seems like it caused a very uh, devastating injury, an ACL tear of his right knee. And as you know, Jacory had to be carted off, and today the MRI confirmed that he had a tear. So what that means is Jacory Shepard, his rookie season is over. He's going to go for knee surgery, and he's going to be placed on IR for the year. So that coincides with the Eagles releasing Brandon Boykin, and so now they're going to be thin at that inside corner spot. They they drafted a bunch of guys, and they're going to need to fill in for that. Um, slot corner position yeah now they're going to have to resort to Jalen Watkins to, to really fill in that spot and he's the brother of Sammy Watkins who plays for the Bills but the Eagles are very thin at, at nickel corner and you know in the grand hierarchy of importance you know on the football team nickel corner probably isn't within the top 10 of importance but you know you traded Brandon Boykin when you didn't really have to and you still could have probably traded Boykin midseason, you know, I would say. Because if he's a free agent, then of course you're not going to retain him. You're not going to get him back. He's going to want a lot more money. You're not going to get any value. So it, it is it is going to definitely be an issue. Um, but, but Byron Maxwell has been looking good in practice. And you're going to need to have guys to disguise that um, that void now in the secondary. And, you know, you're not going to have a perfect defense. And there's a lot of moving parts now with Kiko Alonso, Brandon Graham. There's a lot of question marks when you look into this Eagles team. And the front line is very strong. So I think that the front line, if they can really perform at a really high level, then I think it definitely takes the burden off of the back end of this defense that the back end of this defense I'd say it went from a D like a D last year with Bradley Fletcher Kerry Williams um, I, I would say the defense la- and Nate Allen 
I would say that last year's defense was really poor, and now you're slightly better. I wouldn't say you're even close to being a good secondary. I would say that you, at best, are average now. Well, this first segment sure passed quickly, and we want to thank everybody for tuning in to Bruce the Sports Talk on voiceamerica.com. We'll be back in three minutes. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're in the summer edition and it's time for preseason NFL football. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. Very intriguing matchup at starting quarterback. Yes, well, you have Johnny Manziel, who's there, who's a lightning rod for the media. And uh, Manziel, I mean, he's just done a perfect job this offseason of really tempering the media or just keeping everything under wrap. We all know that he moved into the suburbs of Cleveland because everything is on the internet these days. So Manziel has moved into a nice, quiet suburban, you know, style neighborhood. And this is Manziel's regimen. He wakes up, 
he goes to the training facility. He doesn't do any interviews. He gets in. He gets out. I'd say maybe 6 to 3 o'clock he's there. After practice, he goes and plays nine holes of golf. He eats dinner out on the porch at his uh, at, in his suburban, you know, at at his home. He probably maybe will grill something, eat dinner, go to bed at 9.30, wake up the next day at 6. That's Johnny Manziel. He's not out partying with his friends. He's not out in downtown Cleveland drinking way too many adult beverages and impeding on his ability to come into practice the next day and be able able to be at his sharpest and you look at Manziel he has the arm strength I mean the guy could get the ball from point A to point B very quickly uh, and I think he does have he does have arm talent especially threading the needle in terms of a 10 to 15 yard throw so for Johnny Manziel he has speed he can create I kind of look at his creating going forward as kind of like a Romo because when Romo was first coming up in his career he didn't rely on running but he could pirouette pretty well he can kind of spin out of trouble and extend plays that way. So for Manziel at AM, he would probably look at Mike Evans' first read, and then if the first read wasn't there, he would dance in the pocket and he would try to make a tremendous play. And what Manziel needs to learn the most is he needs to learn that taking a five yard taking a five yard gain and checking it down to the running backs, even though it's not a sexy play, even though it doesn't define Johnny football, is making like, you know, is going for your progressions and then dinking and dumping it up the field to get the ten yards in the first down, even though that's not what made Johnny popular to his fans. Last year he came in the league, you know, he kind of fought that he you know, I'm Johnny football and I can make plays happen and I'm really exciting and electric and I'm going to be the same type of guy at AM. And he had that burden of being Johnny football, of being the exciting, of always trying to make the heroic 10 out of 10 play, always going for a home run and not going for a single. And now that Mansell's kind of struggled a little bit, he realizes that he needs to adopt his style of play to be more conservative in spots and really pick and shoes and Manziel's done a terrific job he's worked extremely hard and he's a special personality he really can dial in and focus at times when he needs to and when you look at the best people in life or the people that are most successful they know when to have fun but they know when to turn it on and turn it in the gear and Manziel even at college station even with the distractions the partying the beers and vodka consumed Manziel Manziel still went out on Saturday and he balled out in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And for and to take that kind of control uh, and, and to be able to show out on the biggest stages and be fearless, I think Manziel is a special athlete. And I truthfully believe that in a couple of years he can beat out McCown. McCown is the starter there, but McCown's a Texas guy too. He's like an older brother to Johnny. You know, McCown's going to have won the two more years left and he knows that this is going to be Manziel's show after a while he's just teaching Manziel the ropes right now Manziel's the apprentice and it's a perfect situation where the first year you had Brian Hoyer a very hostile quarterback room but now John Filippo is really setting these guys up to be successful in a bunch of years so look at McCown starting the next two years but then Johnny coming through with a head of steam as McCown will leave Manziel off with um, with great leadership going forward. There was a nice scrimmage they had the other day, which is uh, 
Brown and Orange Day, and that was actually on August 8th, and both Josh McCann and Johnny Manziel delivered, and they called it Fun Night for the quarterbacks. They each had touchdown drives, and particularly Josh McCown did well on second and third down. And right now, it looks like a pretty even competition, but it looks like they're prepared to start the season with the veteran, and Manziel is just going to try to get seasoned and continue to learn, and he really has some catching up to do with respect to last season where he really fell off the world, and it looks like, as, as Spencer noted so precisely, Johnny Football uh, is focused on just that, on football. Let's move ahead. We had Al Thompson up the turnpike, New York Giants training camp, and he reported that Steady Eddie Eli Manning looked good. Certainly, Odell Beckham Jr. and Cruz are playing, and they are, I think, the most feared uh, two wide receivers in NFC East, if not the whole league. And I think that's going to be really big for the Giants because Eli can always throw a good long ball, and, the, and, and they're going to have to play these receivers honest. It might open it up for the running game. A big loss is uh, Jeff Schwartz, a big offensive lineman for the, uh, the Giants is down. And also, Mr. Uh, Mr. Flowers, his first name? Eric, Eric Flowers, big first-round draft choice, uh, is out with a knee. I, I don't think it's terribly serious. But the, the fact that Schwartz was, was looked upon as their savior, it all starts up front. And Al Thompson was concerned. Also, we can't forget Jason Pierre-Paul is still inactive. There's still a lot of hush around his status and whether he will play this year and when and if he will play after losing his index finger in a fireworks injury. Well, you look at Will Beattie, too, that's been banged up, and, and this is really, you know, somewhat disappointing. Um, it, it definitely is disappointing, you know, looking at all the injuries. You feel really bad for the New York Giants offensive linemen. Um, it, it, it's it's not an ideal situation there with, with Beattie, um, Jeff Schwartz, you know, Justin Pugh being yanked around between guard and now tackle. Um, I really want to see Eric Flowers get on the field this year. I want to see him prove himself because I do think he has potential to be a really solid guard in this league. Or even if he gets more mobile, even if he loses some weight and um, he could be a tackle. But him and Pugh, you look at him, Pugh, Jeff Schwartz. Um, you have Owen Richburg. I mean, you do have some talented guys. You do have a young nucleus, but it's, you know, you looked at the Giants during their glory years with Tiki Barber, T- Tiki Barber, and you had Luke Pettigrew, you had Sean O'Hara. Um, you, you just had, you, you had a real foundation. You had William McKenzie up front. I mean, Kareem McKenzie, excuse me. You had a tremendous offensive line that was really a staple there um, for, I'd say, 10 to 14 years. And that's what made the Giants so successful is that they were, they were able to run first with Barber, you know, with Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw, you know, and... The Giants were able to have that balance, and you look at Eli Manning's not the type of guy, and most guys aren't, that could be like an Aaron Rodgers or um, or even a Peyton or Tom Brady that could throw the football 40 times and be very successful. You know, Eli Manning can make all the throws, but he's the type of guy that really thrives off play action. 
Larry Donnell's going to have to come in. He's going to have to block this season, and they're going to have to run the football. That you know, you have Rashad Jennings. I've heard great things about Shane Vereen, again, who came off a Super Bowl championship with the Patriots last year. Very effective in catching passes out of the backfield. Knows how to win. High character guy. So Vereen should play a very important factor. The Giants have talent. Even Andre Williams can be very useful. He's had success last year. They're deep at running back. Just this offensive line being banged up. If they can't get to the four yards a pop on off on first down, they won't be better than eight and eight, seven and nine. I mean, I'm telling you, the priority number one is on first down, get three to four yards and have second and six, and then have Eli hit Beckham, hit Ruben Randall, Victor Cruz, and then you start to get into those weapons. But when you're talking about second and nine, second and 11, second and 10, you're just not going to thrive playing that style of football. I have an injury update. Sean Sweesom, who is the only kicker on the Pittsburgh roster, Suffered an unfortunate torn ACL. Kind of a freak injury for a kicker trying to make a tackle on after the uh, the kickoff of the second half. It blew out his left knee. And it's unfortunate that he will require surgery. And this is really going to be a blow to the Steelers because Suizum made over 90% of his field goal attempts last season. And just a solid kicker. And it's hard to find just to pick up solid kickers. Obviously, there's a lot of kickers that float around. It's an unusual position because people, you know, kickers could lose it. But this was just an injury. And now with no other backup kickers in camp, Pittsburgh's going to be scrambling to find a replacement for Swayson. So this second segment sure flew by. And we've got some exciting stuff coming up in three minutes. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? 
Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And we're broadcasting on voiceamerica.com. Want to thank our sports director, Ray Ellis. Want to thank the president of our network, Jeff Spinard, for the opportunity to bring sports to you on Tuesdays. And we have to flash to a very improbable post-All-Star game run for the Philadelphia Phillies. 20 games under five hundred. And they rose like a phoenix from the ashes. Unfortunately, in the short term, they're having a bad night in Arizona. Down 11-3 after 6 and certainly going to lose. But they've been 16-5 and since the All-Star break. And it's really interesting that almost all their young players are doing really well. Chase Utley had an injured ankle. He, he had a motley 100, or I should say .172, Average in the first half of the season, and they they let him rest, recuperate, and rehab, the three R's, and he he's come back and has been doing very well. Looking at Mikael Franco, this guy is a stud. He is the 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 best hitter on the Phillies. You also have Cesar Hernandez at second base, and you're looking at Giles who's fitting nicely with the departure of Papelbon. You've got Giles coming in, throwing 95-plus. And you also have a guy, his name is Pete McCannon, who is a, a bit of a Charlie Manuel guy in the sense he's really relaxed. He's a player's coach. The opposite of Ryan Sandberg, the catatonic one. And it looks like the Phillies are loose. There's young players. The enthusiasm's back. They've got a long way to go to even have a sniff at a wild card. But the fact is... Baseball excitement's back here in Philly. I would love for this team to 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 go on an improbable run. And if this Phillies team could go from, I think they were 1.30 games below 500, the worst team in baseball. If they could flip the script and and maybe go like 38 and five and get a wild card, I, I'm saying that that's very unrealistic. But as as a fan. I, I I think it would be the coolest story, maybe in in sports, and it, it it may be the last five years or, or longer. I think it might be the greatest comeback in the history of baseball if they can even make the playoffs. It would be a Billy Bean Moneyball type of story. Ryan Sandberg's a guy that wouldn't even acknowledge players' presence in the locker room. He wouldn't even say anything to any players. And as a manager, I think that one of your main goals, being a baseball manager especially, because you spend so much time with these players, each game's three hours, 162 games, 
You need to be able to communicate and you need to have chemistry and morale high. And I think in a baseball clubhouse, I think that that's really priority number one. And sometimes teams that are inferiorly talented could still be very successful because the chemistry in the locker room is at a supreme to a high level. And I think that there's more of a importance or more of a void of having that you know in a locker room there's more more stress is put on team chemistry so now that Ryan Sandberg's out there's a breath of fresh air I think Jonathan Papelbon was was often a distraction with the media in terms of quoting guys uh, in terms of quoting his his unhappiness with the team and sometimes when a guy is that sour about a situation even though he's one person he can drag down the bullpen he can make the players feel worse about themselves right now this is just a young group that's out out there having fun playing baseball and, and and there's really no um pressure on this team right now unfortunately they're losing the arizona tonight i really am excited about hernandez second baseman herrera franco um aaron nola they really are building a foundation late in the season and what the Phillies need to do is, even though they're most likely going to drop tonight, they still need to come out tomorrow night and really rebound. And that's what this Phillies team has done a really poor job doing. When they've had adversity, they've let one poor game turn into five poor games. So the Phillies need to seesaw with the Diamondbacks. They need to get out of Scottsdale um, and try to win this series versus the Diamondbacks, head up to Milwaukee and keep cranking. And uh, let's see how they battle back from adversity. David Buchanan had a rough um, had a rough month, and um, he's he's going he's he's pitching tomorrow night, and he's going to need to come out there, put that all behind him. Tomorrow night is the most important game of this season. Well, certainly, it'll be interesting to see if the, the Hamels trade, which was essentially five minor leaguers. And pitcher Harrison, if that could save Ruben Amaro's job. Also, looking at how the team has rebounded, they're playing inspired baseball, and whether they're going to continue with Pete McCannon. Andy McPhail is a proven president, and he has spent time throughout the league, including in Chicago with the Cubs. And it'll be interesting if he wants to put his stamp on the Phillies, whether he's going to pick his own manager or whether he's been impressed enough with Pete McCannon to to let him manage next year or to give him a contract. If something's broke, you shouldn't... Or if something's broke, and uh, then you need to fix it. But if it isn't broke, you don't need to fix it. And looking at this team right now in this ball club, they're doing so well. Sometimes it's just unnecessary to try to get a manager. So as long as the guys are, are having fun and love McMahon, is that his name? Vince McMahon? McCannon. McCannon. Ah, it's another nickname. Um, so I, I think that you got to keep the guy. Flashing for baseball, I think it's time to look at the fourth major, the PGA Championship. A place called Whistling Straits on beautiful Lake Michigan in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Right next to Kohler, Wisconsin, I should say. And Spencer and I have uh, scouted the course and looked at it. And uh, it's truly magnificent. It's designed as a replica of a Scottish course 
with uh, with with bunkers, target golf. It's going to play really long this week. And the wind is really interesting because the wind is always changing. And this will be a big challenge for various players. And the big news is Rory McIlroy, who had torn a ligament in his left foot, who was in a walkie boot, has had a great recovery and states that he will be at 100% and ready to defend his PGA crown at Whistling Straits beginning on Thursday. You know, this is going to be any more exciting. This is the mecca of golf. This is where re- this is where Pete Dye designed Whistling Straits about 50 years ago on Lake Michigan in Kohler, Wisconsin. And we've played this golf course. 14 holes are right next to Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan looks it looks like an ocean when you're playing it. And the wind, the conjure of the wind, it's so difficult to read this golf course and to know how how the wind is, um, it, it, which way the wind is going um, and how the ball will come off the club and how low you have to keep the trajectory of the ball. So whistling straight is such a tough challenge of golf. And in a PGA championship, usually of all the majors, this is the lowest scoring championship because you have Augusta National, which we all know, amen corner of the back nine. Jordan Spieth shooting 18 under is preposterous at Augusta National. And, you know, then you have the U.S. Open, which is always extremely tough to even score under par because you play at Shinnecock Hills, Oakmont. You play where greens, the undulations of the greens are insane. And Chambers Bay was obviously a roller coaster of all sorts this year. And then um, you play, usually the British is tough at Carnoosky, again with the wind, you know, the uh, in Ireland or Scotland. St. Andrews is more forgiving just because it's not that long of a course and the fairways are very wide. So you did have some low numbers, but I do expect this to be, for PGA Championship standards, a little bit above, uh, below um, the type of scoring that you usually see, um, meaning that I expect there to be, the winner to be seven under. Um, so the scoring will not be as high scoring, so you won't be got, seeing guys that are double-digit under par. Dustin Johnson obviously can use his length on this golf course. He's had success playing golf courses that do have to face wind, such as Pebble Beach, such as Whistling Straits. So look at some of the long hitters. Bubba Watson fared very well here you know, several years ago. So if you're an accurate and long hitter, it surely takes out the mistakes. But also I look at Justin Rose, who's had some success successful tournaments coming in his swing is really shaping up and you need guys that have the ability to sink clutch five foot um, foot par putts Spieth against going to contend Rory McIlroy completely dominated the PGA championship a couple of years ago um, in, in South Carolina at um, what, what's that golf course in South Carolina that's um, Kiwi Island. Kiwi Island. He won the PGA there. It's going to be a loaded field. I, I cannot wait for this championship. It's an unbelievable place to play golf. If you haven't gone there to Whistling Straits, the fall is also the best time up there in western Wisconsin. I mean, it's it's not too hot. It's a perfect place to play golf. You have to look at Tiger Woods. He has um, been very quiet lately. But his chance of getting to the FedEx Cup hinges 
on a fine performance in the PGA. There's no reason to predict that given his year, his chaotic year, his disappointing year. But if Tiger could finish somewhere in the top 15, he would then enroll in the, in the, in the tournament next week and have a chance, a very outside chance, at just getting it to the bottom of the FedEx Cup. If he again fails, and if he misses the cut, which I think is statistically likely, given his bad form this year, we can assume that his year fundamentally will be over, and it'll be wait till next year for Tiger Woods. We're just finishing up the third segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. want to thank all the listeners for tuning in, and stay there. We'll be back in three minutes. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the second segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger and I practice sports medicine and neurology in the Philadelphia area. We have offices in Ridley Park and in Wilmington, Delaware. And soon to open an exciting office between Greenville and Hocasset, Delaware. 
In this segment, we're going to talk about PRP, which is called platelet-rich plasma therapy. The question I have for the listeners is, what do Heinz Ward, Troy Palomato, Kobe Bryant, and Tiger Woods have in common? The answer is that all of these famous athletes, as well as hundreds of recreational athletes and about 20 professional soccer players, have undergone a new emerging treatment, which is called platelet-rich plasma therapy. I'll be referring to this as PRP. This technique involves injecting portions of a patient's own blood directly into an injured area, either into the tendon, into the joint, or the muscles. And this technique's this technique, I should say, appears to help regenerate ligament intended fibers, essentially shortening rehab time and at times preventing surgery. But all too familiar recently is the utilization of PRP during surgery, that is, during joint surgery to reduce the time for rehabilitation and to get the athlete back to the playing field. Let's talk about some of the examples in the field of sports, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of what exactly is PRP and what does it do. We warn you that at times this might be rather scientific and detailed, but as your host, we'll try to break it down for you. There's a Dr. Ella Tracci who's the Los Angeles Dodgers team physician, and he performed this PRP surgery on the torn ulnar collateral ligament in the throwing elbow of Takashi Sato. If the ulnar surgery would have been undertaken, Mr. Sato's season would have been over. The rehab would have been 10 to 14 months. Instead, He returned to pitch in September without pain. So as doctors, what we do is we spin it out the patient's blood in something called a centrifuge. What we do is we concentrate the best and most important healing parts of the blood, that is the platelets and the growth factors. And we remove other parts of the blood, such as the red cells and white cells. We inject exactly where blood would not go. That is, we deliver the healing to the inside of joints or to tendons. Now, one thing last week you recall, we talked about Achilles tendon injuries. And why is the rehab so slow? Why is the recovery slow? It's because there's such a poor blood supply to the Achilles tendon. So just the way we are built, the way the human body is laid out, the tendons receive a poor blood supply. Therefore, the healing parts of the blood, the platelets and the growth factors, don't get into the area. So what this PRP does is it places a small amount of the patient's blood, maybe a teaspoon or two at most, and this is directly injected into the damaged areas. It appears that there is little chance for rejection or allergic reaction because the substance means that you're actually injecting blood from the patient's own body. 
In medicine, we call this autologous. Further, the procedure takes about 20 minutes, and there is a far less chance for infection, and this is an injection rather than a surgery. Let's look at the cost of surgery, orthopedic surgery versus the cost of PRP. An average orthopedic surgery surgery costs between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. That's for anesthesia, surgery, operating room time, equipment. And the PRP typically costs anywhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars. So the advantage of PRP potentially obviating a need for surgery, cost effective, and less chance for infection bleeding, and other side effects of surgery. You recall there was some controversy when Tiger Woods had his knee surgery and underwent PRP to accelerate his recovery. Some people made erroneous claims that this was somehow uh, essentially a synthetic performance-enhancing drug like Uh, like steroids or human growth factor, excuse me, or uh, HCG. However, let's be clear. The PRP does not enhance performance, and it only treats a local injury, and therefore should not be subject to any prohibitions. Many review articles that are emerging are suggesting that more and more professional athletes and recreational athletes are going to receive PRP. And this has been documented by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery. And there's also links in the literature to the American Academy of Physical Medicine Rehabilitation, as well as the American Academy of Pain Management. As a neurologist, there is an explosion of usually small and somewhat anecdotal studies related to PRP. And what needs to be done, as with all emerging what we call nascent treatments, is for there to be a well-controlled study, randomized controlled study, with a large enough database to yield statistically significant data as to the efficacy of PRP and the exact conditions which it should be utilized. Let's take a look at a few notable athletes who've undergone PRP. Cliff Lee, when he was playing for the Texas Rangers, had a series of abdominal strains and felt that the PRP accelerated his healing process. Steelers wide receiver Heinz Ward had the procedure of PRP in his knee, injected right into his synovium of his knee following the AFC Championship. He returned two weeks later and played in the Super Bowl. I think it really helped me, Hines told the New York Times. The injury that I had was a severe injury, maybe a four- or six-week injury. I don't think anyone with a grade 2 MCL sprain gets back that fast. So here's a case where Heinz Ward believed that the PRP was helpful. Golfer Scott Verplank had the treatment in an injured left elbow and saw equivocal results. It did produce the results he was looking for, but it didn't worsen him at all.
the New York Hospital, NYU for Joint Diseases, studied 30 amateur athletes and roughly 60% of the amateur athletes by Dr. Dennis Cardone, C-A-R-D-O-N-E, Cardone, believed that they improved and the doctor concurred. So in the field of medicine, 60% benefit is pretty good. So now let's get down to the basic science. Why do we inject the platelets? Well, the platelets are the primary source of bioactive tissue growth factors, a whole whole host of them. And to list them, connective tissue growth factor, platelet-derived growth factor, TGF beta, epidermal growth factor, insulin growth factor, basic fibrobrast, excuse me, fibroblast growth factor, not easy to say while you're whistling and eating crackers, and also vascular endothelial growth factors. Together, these compounds control and regulate the natural healing, and it's thought to accelerate the tissue repair processes. So this is thought to improve and rebuild the joint cartilage and strengthen injured ligaments and tendon. tendons. This new collagen is naturally incorporated directly into your existing cartilage and ligaments. One of the downsides is that, like any new therapy, which isn't dirt cheap, the insurance companies typically balk at paying for them. They have to wait till compelling evidence emerges. So if you're a candidate for PRP, you're probably going to have to foot the bill yourself. The good news is, it probably won't hurt you. It's your own blood. And if you can afford it, your doctor recommends it, it might be worth a try to go for PRP. It's fairly non-invasive. So let's summarize. PRP is a technique where components of your own blood are injected into certain tissues, either the tendons or the cartilage, in thumbs, knees, or hips. Very popular for non-surgical repair of rotator cuff tears and particularly degenerative tears, just with aging. Well, there's a lot of attention on professional athletes who have received this treatment. It's thought that the average weekend warrior would be a great candidate for this. There's a whole host of conditions, overuse syndromes, sports injuries, arthritic joints, partial tears of the rotator cuffs and uh, particular muscles and tendons around the elbow, such as the ulnar collateral ligaments, are being treated aggressively with PRP. In the upcoming week, I'll be personally attending a direct in-service on PRP where I'll be looking at the exact equipment and assessing the particulars of PRP, as well as looking and doing a review of the PRP literature. So this is something we're certainly going to keep our eyes on. Stay tuned. Segments three and four will offer a detailed analysis of week seven of the NFL season, as well as an update on the World Series. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. 
Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.